Welcome to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway for Sunday, May 30th, 2021. My name is James Marino, and in the broadcast today we have Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His columns appear at Encore Magazine, Masterworks Broadway, Broadway Select, and many other places. Hello, Peter. Hello. Hello. Also with us is Michael Portantier. Michael is a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of CastAlbumReviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You can see his photography work at FollowSpotPhoto.com. Hello, Michael. Hello. Hello. So typically, in, in uh, previous years, uh, this last Sunday in May, we would be doing our Tony Awards predictions. Mm. So other than Aaron Tveit, who's going to win? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, it's it's been um, crazy this week. We got a uh, press release from the uh, folks at the Tony Awards, and they have told us that September 26th, 2021, is the 74th annual Tony Awards, even though we didn't have an annual last year. Uh, but at least they kept it in sequence, because the last Tony Awards was the 73rd, which was mm-hmm. uh, June of of 2019 was that uh get confused there yeah i guess it was june 2019 because june 2020 we didn't have one so um peter have we ever had a tony awards in september <laughs> not that i know of uh but the thing is uh you know i i think all of us are going to give uh, a great deal of um understanding with the word annual in the years to come that everybody knows that this year was taken off um no matter what the circumstance, uh, whatever the World Series is, whatever the playoffs are, uh, it's just the way life has handed us this um, curveball. And as a result, I don't think anybody is going to, aside from you, Jane, is going to really worry about the word annual. Um, maybe they should put annual in quotation marks, but, um, but I, I think uh, we should give them a little um, slack. So, uh, you know, we, I, I, I guess the big thing is, is that, it was just such a lack of communication from them, sure. and we totally sure. understand what's going on. Sure. Absolutely, um, but the thing is, is that it it has been such a void of of leadership uh, during this whole period of time that uh, we've been unsure of uh, of you know who's going to be our leader to take us out of this thing, mm-hmm. and it seems as though that our leader is going to be Hades Town coming from the outside because <laughs> yeah, right. after everybody agreed upon uh, a date to come back sure. of uh, September fourteenth, when we have uh, Chicago Hamilton, Lion King, Wicked, and Lackawanna Blues uh, reopening Broadway on s- September fourteenth this week, Hades Town has stepped in and said. Uh, not so fast. September 2nd, we're going to do that. So, uh, are, Peter, are you going to go way down to Hadestown? Uh, sure. I will go back to uh, any show that invites me. And it's going to be very interesting to me to see if they do invite um, any of us, um, all of us, some of us, none of us. Uh, I would Im- imagine that they will, um, because I 
I suspect that there will be seats available. I could be wrong. I mean, notice what's happening this weekend. They're talking about how many people are traveling this weekend and all that. Um, the people really are hungry to get back on the roads or on the planes or what have you. So I guess that's going to be true of Broadway too. Um, Broadway is terribly expensive, but I guess so are plane flights. So I do think that um, there will be empty seats. And I think they may say to us, why don't you come and fill them? And if so, you know, I am certainly um, thrilled to go back and see whatever show invites me back. Um, even ones I didn't like before, I'd like to see again, not just because I'm so hungry to see something, but um, I'd like to reassess um, shows that I didn't think uh, the world of and see if um, I feel differently now. Um, as it's often been said, every seven years, we totally change uh, the cells in our body, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Some of these shows I haven't seen for more than seven years, so I may very well um, have a different opinion. And I can't imagine that every show is going to have the same cast that uh, it had um, on March um, 11th, 12th last year. So I, I am looking forward to seeing whatever they'll let me come and see. Using the seven year analogy, uh, so we have a new Phantom four times over. Yeah, really. I mean, uh, I, I, I can't remember the last time I went to Phantom. You know, I think the last time I went to Phantom, seriously, was in England when I went to uh, see a Tuesday matinee before seeing Love Never Dies in the evening. I wanted to do them uh, two in one day. Um, and uh, so I think that's the last time. I mean, aside from the Harold Prince Memorial, I haven't been in the Majestic this century. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, I would be interested. In and there's sort of some work that's gone on with Phantom 2, right? Um, yeah, they <laughs> said that they were going to uh, uh, at least change the pit size in Phantom. Well, that's uh, over there. Is that true here? I forget. I, I think the pit size was going to was you know it I, i'm confused no, I think, about that yeah i think it was just uh the, it was just an ads for England. the west end London. yeah but uh i happened to walk by yesterday and i don't know if you know this but there's also seems to be major work going on the on the theater uh-huh uh, oh really a, a, a scaffolding and netting around it well, you know, I mean, it's one of the great things that uh, if this terrible thing had to happen, um, that at least it happened when the Palace Theater was going through all its stripes. So I imagine there's been some progress over there to get us closer to getting the Palace back. So um, because we know it wouldn't have been occupied. So um, it, that may have been a strange blessing in disguise. And, and on again, a similar we, note, um, major, major changes at Geffen Hall. Oh, oh yeah. really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that this was an opportunity for for these people to to get all this stuff done. Mm -hmm. So uh, Rob Johnson in the uh, chat room mentions that uh, many of the opening night uh, uh, first night shows have sold out immediately, but uh, tickets are available after the first nights. Um, and for a second performance. Yeah, exactly. And that he also points out the West End reduced their pit size for the Phantom of the Opera and Broadway said they were keeping that size. But I, I believe that the West End pit was much, much larger than the Broadway pit mm, already. Really already. I, I, I have to check that out. But I mean, I remember reading that the West End pit was uh, when I when I first read that thing, I, I thought that it was very very large, but uh -huh. I, I could be misremembering that. But uh, so yeah, I mean we're we're looking at uh, uh, you know just the, the rundown: Hades Town, Chicago, Hamilton, Lion King, Wicked, Lackawanna Blues, David Burns, American Utopia, which I didn't see the first time around. Then Come From Away, Moulin Rouge, 
Uh, those are all the shows that are going to open before the Tony Awards on September 26th. Okay, um, but notice there's a, a profound absence of Scott Rudin shows. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There, there is, but I we was going to... haven't gonna heard sp- any announcement on... No, um, West Side Story. Uh, we haven't heard anything about Mormon. Mockingbird, Mormon, Lehman Trilogy, which may or may not be a Scott Rudin show anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, so it, it, it's interesting to see... Well, the other thing, too, um, uh, have we heard from Harry Potter? Yeah, Harry Potter's... Uh, uh, said that they're going to be returning in 2022, but they haven't given it an exact date yet. And is it just rumor or fact that it's going to be uh, condensed into one show? I didn't hear. Oh, I've not, I've I've not heard that. I I would be. So I guess it's rumor. (laughs) Yeah. I, I I would think that that would be. uh, That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I don't know how they would do that. I, I don't know how they would do that. They I mean, cut it, out a lot of they would cut out a lot of plot, and <laughs> some yeah. you know some people felt it was overstuffed. And it's and, the, and, Harry and, Potter Junior. We haven't heard from Sing Street yet. Um, so right. That's, oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was uh, lovely. I, I hope they come to Broadway. And you would think that Plaza Suite would be easier to organize, but Good we point. haven't heard from Plaza, Plaza Suite, How We Learned to Drive. Well, um, uh, uh, what about Sex in the City? There's something happening with that, right? The movie? I think it's done. And uh, I, I think that the movie is done and it uh, may be released. I'm not sure if it's been released yet. But, um, but you know, we have, uh, as Peter mentioned, these uh, Scott Rudin shows – uh, we've we've heard nothing from them just yet, so we'll have to see how it's gonna how all of that's gonna fall out. And then the seventeen seventy six, Peter, we gotta get that seventeen seventy six. Yeah, supposedly ART. Yeah, but supposedly that's uh, not till next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is too bad. Yeah. So uh, now. Given that what happened with Hades Town coming out of the blue and starting up before everybody else, they will be the only show running for uh, twelve days mm-hmm. on Broadway. Uh, r- rumor has it that uh, something wicked might happen. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. we have to keep our eyes open on that this week uh, to see if maybe uh, Wicked is able to push up their uh, their return a little bit uh- earlier. We were discussing that on a chat board somewhere, and and I personally can't imagine that would happen, that they would change after making that big deal about the three shows opening on the same day. And I think it just would look so bad. And then also, uh, um, uh, as uh, alluding to what you said earlier, uh, a lot of people seem to have bought tickets specifically for the first performances back of of some of these shows and are going to be extremely upset if it turns out well, not to be that. that that's like when you buy the tickets sure. for the final final performance of a show <laughs> right, and it yeah. extends another yeah. two right, weeks right, exactly. right, yeah. things like yeah. that and yeah. you know I, I'm not sure that David St- David Stone is very concerned with the feelings of you mm-hmm. know people who well, buy tickets for yeah but that's bad PR is what I'm saying. I, I think that the good PR for returning to Broadway early is going to far overshadow anything, but, you know, we'll see what that happens. That would be my guess, too. Uh, yeah. That would be my guess. Nothing more than a guess. And I think, that, I, I think it's e- easy enough to 
get in touch with those ticket buyers immediately and uh, also screw the scalpers, which who, who have like cicadas returned 17 years later. The scalpers are – it's like you cannot get a ticket for Hamilton for under $4,000 on the, the uh, returning night. Oh, my God. It's – it's just nuts. <laughs> Debbie Schrager. Hey, Debbie Schrager says Sex and the City has a series sequel on HBO Max. Yeah, that's. I thought I heard something they yeah. were doing. Yeah, so that might be, um, yeah. And it's likely that Matthew Broderick ha- might have other projects as well. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So uh, maybe we won't see a Plaza Suite so soon. But uh, it's it- interesting that the... Uh, West Side Story, uh, Scott Rudin's show that we were just talking about before. Um, uh, if that were to delay their comeback till when the West Side Story movie comes out, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Wait, it's the yeah. West Side Story movie. Is that uh, Christmas? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, uh, and then, uh, you know, we, yeah, the three of us, we haven't really talked about In the Heights. Uh, are you. Are you guys uh, going to be seeing the In the Heights when it gets uh, when it gets released? Yeah, even in a movie theater. I've got I've gotten to see it. It's it's incredibly good. Oh, good for you! But I'm certainly going to go to see it in a theater as soon as I can. And, if you uh, were to go, if you were to go see it in a theater, Michael, would it be like a Broadway live cinema at AMC? Uh, yes. <laughs> Thank you for that segue. <laughs> There was a really interesting press release um, recently, and it says, uh, in celebration of the highly anticipated reopening of Broadway theaters this fall, the Broadway Live Cinema Festival launches as a four-week film and live performance event honoring Broadway and movie musicals. The inaugural festival runs from July 15th through August 8th at the AMC Empire 25 Theater in Times Square and will feature the award-winning classic films Chicago, West Side Story, presumably the first one. Yes. (laughs) Um, uh, The Wizard of Oz, Little Shop of Horrors, and the acclaimed new release of In the Heights. Um, the Wizard of Oz, of course, is, I guess, I guess the sort of the odd, odd one out there. Uh, it has, it has uh, as we all know, a stage version, but that was many years after the fact and never actually technically played on Broadway. But whatever. Um, each film will be presented as an immersive theatrical experience where live performances by Broadway stars will be integrated into the classic Hollywood movie musicals. Whatever that means. Doesn't that sound intriguing? After the live cinema performance, audiences will be treated to exclusive access to 54 Below at the AMC rooftop, where they can enjoy the outdoor after party with top line talent curated by Feinstein's 54 Below. Uh, The full lineup of performers will be announced at a later date. So that is really interesting to think of. I mean, first of all, I, I'm excited just to see all those movies on the big screen again. Uh, but in addition to that, it, it should be really interesting to see who they get uh, from mm-hmm. the live performance uh, part of it, especially for In the Heights. Um, you know, I, I think I mentioned that um, some years ago, Lynn manuel Miranda was doing a wonderful series up at the United Palace Theater, um, and they would show a classic movie musical uh 
with Spanish subtitles, uh, just to, you know, be, be inclusive. And then they would also have live performances. And the only one I got to go to was Guys and Dolls. Uh, and they showed Guys and Dolls and Lin-Manuel introduced it. This was right before Hamilton PS. He introduced it. And then the, we saw them. I can't remember now if the performances I'm sure they were before the movie, I think. Um, but it was people, it was people from, from in the Heights. Uh, it was Christopher Jackson and I think maybe Karen Olivo. I can't remember for sure who the others were. So that uh, sounds like something along the lines of what this is going to be. And it should be really exciting to see what Lin-Manuel and everyone else have up their sleeve for this event. I'm not that this is particularly relevant to what you were talking about, but you did spur something in me. And that was when I was in Vienna, I turned on the TV and the movie of Gypsy was on. And uh, there was Rose saying Mein Kinder and all that in, in German. And yet every song uh, was in English. Um, I guess they felt it was too hard to translate uh, those. <laughs> uh, was that the experience you had with um, the Skies and Dolls? Oh, well, no, it was. I mean, it was uh, it was fully the. Uh, the English soundtrack, but they just had Spanish Subtitle. subtitles. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hmm. I'm wondering if that's what usually happens. Uh, if indeed they, they don't bother translating the songs. I think just, it's in a, on a case to case. Uh, probably basis. Is, yeah. I believe uh, I heard that when funny girl was shown uh, in Paris, a friend of mine saw it in Paris when it came out and the dialogue was dubbed in French, uh, and then, but then, as soon as it came to the songs, they were just yeah, the original yeah, songs. Yeah, okay. Because even though Barbara Streisand famously can sing very well in French, I guess she didn't want That's to right. record the whole thing like Petula Clark did for Phineas Rainbow. Uh-huh. Uh So yeah. <laughs> hmm. So did uh, either one of you get the hottest invite uh, to come out in years? And that is, I guess, I guess I would have known what that was if I had gotten it. <laughs> the invite to the reopening of the drama bookshop. Yes, oh, yeah, I, fact, thank you. Did. I was <laughs> just about to mention that. Again, Lin-Manuel Miranda and T Tommy Kale. And mm -hmm. I got, I made a reservation. Uh, it's, you don't have to pay, but you have to um, reserve to shop there, at least in the beginning, because they anticipate such a huge demand. And of course, it's, it's not that large. And so I'm going on, um, on June 10th. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that's, I'm not sure what the exact opening day is. It's around that time. So yeah, the uh, press day for <laughs> the opening day might be a different day, but the press day is June 8th. Oh, okay. Uh, June 8th. Uh, and uh, so the invites went out for that. So it really feels like everything is uh, is coming back to lives. So if, if you walk through Times Square, you might see a bunch of Elmos. If you walk through Times Square, it looks like Times Square before the pandemic. I mean, yeah. uh, maybe not today since it's so cold, but um, I've, I've been uh, walking to my girlfriend's house, um, which is one reason why I'm 40 pounds lighter. But, um, but uh, you know, I used to be able to walk there in the early days without even stopping. I mean, I could go right through red lights because there were no cars on the street. <laughs> and now it really does look like exactly the way it did um, before, even though, of course, there's no Broadway. People seem to be congregating Times Square. They have a need to do that. And I find that very interesting. I walked through yesterday. And even though it was pretty bad weather yesterday, it was quite busy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, Peter, what are you looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, as uh, as Broadway and off-Broadway comes back? Well, as odd as this may sound, the one I really want to see most is Six, 
because yeah. I didn't really respond mm-hmm. to it the first time. And I really want to give it another chance. Um, I, I, now that I know it's essentially a rock concert uh, rather than a, a true, true, true book musical, um, I can go in with uh, different expectations. And I will say that I did admire very much at the end what they had to say about the fact that um, if if these women had not been killed by most of them anyway, by, by Henry the eighth, we wouldn't even remember anything about them. That is, that is the death that has really aggrandized them and made them part of the public consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, that would have never occurred to me. So I'm, I'm always um, very impressed when I see something that I feel I should have thought of and I didn't think of. And, um, and so they, that rarely happens. And um, that happened here. And I, I have to say that that makes me, uh, very interested in seeing it. On the other end of the spectrum, I'd like to go back and see Chicago. And um, I want to see what kind of shape it's in, because I will say the last time I went, um, I was very resentful that the second act began with a guy coming downstage and starting clapping in rhythm with his hands over his head, the universal symbol for you clap to audience. And um, yeah, I, I hate that type of thing. Doug Bernstein and Dennis Markell wrote a wonderful song for their musical showing off called it's called an old fashioned song because they don't want to give away the title. But if it, if it were really the title, it should be um, don't you hate it when they make you clap your hands, you know, <laughs> and yeah, don't you hate it when they make you sing along, you know, all that stuff. And, um, you know, I guarantee there's a famous story about. Um, the opening night of uh, The Music Man, when um, 76 trombones happened, the people were just so excited by 76 trombones that they started clapping in unison. And I guarantee you, Robert Preston did not come down to the lip of the stage and put his hands over his head <laughs> and start clapping. Uh, they did it on their own. So um, so I want to see what shape Chicago's in, if, if it's going to return to that type of um situation or if it's going to um, resemble at least what Chicago was when it opened when it was a white hot ticket back in 96. So um, so I'm, I'm interested in, in seeing that as well. Frankly, I'm interested in seeing them all. Speaking of Chicago, I'm interested in seeing who the cast is going to be specifically Roxy, because I, I'm sure I mentioned before um, Emma Pittman, uh, a very, very talented young woman from Wagner College uh, had won that contest they had uh, for a new Roxy and was just about to start when the pandemic hit. I think Erica Jane uh, was in the show when the pandemic hit and then, but she was, you know, just had a brief run and then it was going to be Emma. So I have not seen any announcement yet, but I, I, I can't imagine. Uh, I mean, I would hope that they will put her in, at some point, oh, I she, do too. Since she won that, you know, she went through all of that and and you know competed against hundreds, you know, how many hundreds of people. So, Michael, um, uh, we saw that Charlotte St. Martin is out there hawking Broadway again here, as the uh, leader of the Broadway League should be doing. So, what what did you think about her appearances? Yeah, um, I'm sorry, I did not react well. I, I saw a video. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if she did a series of these, but she was being interviewed on TV and she uh, did one of those zoom like things where Mm. it's, I mean, I, I I'm sorry to say this. It's like a parody of what you would expect. uh, If you heard that someone had done something like this, uh, something you might see on Saturday night live. First of all, she, she's the president of the Broadway league and she, uh, 
I've, I have to say, I've had no respect for her since that time some years ago when, uh, if you all recall, there was a big uh, purge of Tony voters. Um, the number had been yeah. really decreased all at once. And lots of people uh, were removed from various walks of life, but mostly uh, a lot of journalists were removed. And then uh, they subsequently added back um, only a few of them. They they at one point removed all of them, mm-hmm. all of the journalists from the list, and then only put back a very, very small percentage. And her stated reason for this was that, I'll never forget this as long as I live, uh, that uh, journalists couldn't be objective mm-hmm. and that there was a conflict of interest. Right. Now, that's like something <laughs> Donald Trump would say. Yeah. I mean, what what the hell was that supposed to mean? It was an absolutely ridiculous thing to say. Now, I, I should also say I have heard from many people that they feel that she is just a figurehead uh, and that she only says what she's told to say and that uh, she's only in that position because uh, the real powers that be just uh, want someone to be a, a spokesperson other than them, but they have full control over that person and and uh, and and everything that they say. Uh, so, but I, you know, I don't know if that excuses her. I, I, I certainly don't think so. Michael, and, do you have a sense of who those people are? Well, the, the you know the theater owners. That's what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, isn't that what we think is where I, I, where I think I, the power is. <laughs> I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. Well, the um, power, the power usually resides in the money and, yeah. you know, uh, and so I, I don't necessarily know if I, uh, agree with those theories, this, uh, shadow government of Broadway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, well, uh, I mean, but do you, do you disagree with, um, the idea that she's just a figurehead. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I disagree with that. That she's just a figurehead, but I also don't believe she. You know, she only has as much power as the members of the Broadway League are willing to give her. Oh, so, okay. So that's uh, semantics. I mean, I, that, I'm, that's basically what I'm saying. The video you're talking about, she seemed very sad. So uh, it may be um, that she is being told to say what she's saying and not necessarily believing it. So who knows? Uh, I, I, uh, as I mentioned, uh, I've mentioned previously, I don't think that Charlotte St. Martin has done, uh, has, has shown leadership during this, during this uh, period of time. Uh, when we really, you know, uh, leadership really matters in crisis. It doesn't really matter when everything's great. Right. When when That's when right. broad when Broadway or any organization is having record banner years in sales, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, that's easy to lead an organization then sure, sure. it's it during a crisis is sure. when you you, you see bet. real leaders and and I, I don't believe that we've seen anything along those lines no and at earlier in the pandemic i uh, i said several times <laughs> i remember myself saying that i i did i thought we should be try to be understanding about any decision that was made about the tony awards and how that was going to be handled because the pandemic is such a such a huge uh, mm-hmm. tragic uh, mm-hmm. occurrence and, and everyone is scrambling and just trying to do their best. But I, you know, I guess I've done a turnaround and now I, I would say whoever 
whoever was responsible for making the decisions of how the Tonys are going to be run, I just think they made the worst the worst decision, or certainly not the best decisions under the circumstances. I still think they should have just for last year just given had a, a small group of people, like maybe the nominators or whoever, voted uh, outstanding achievement awards for that one year, and then put a big asterisk uh, against next to those uh, those awards for the for, you know go, going forward for the future, and then just picked up again normally when they when they could because now it's just this big mess with all all of those shows had started but weren't eligible because not enough voters had seen them. And so even things that had opened like West Side Story and uh, Girl from the North Girl Country, from the right? North Country yeah, mm-hmm. were, were not considered among that group. And and as a result, we have things like the Aaron Fate situation. So I, I you know, um, even repeating the fact of how difficult it was to make a decision that would make everyone happy, I just don't think they made the right decision. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that. Private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched, or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected, and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something that only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone's online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know that there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part about it is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address that's shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, a phone, laptop, or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN in the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash broadwayradio and get three extra months for free. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash broadwayradio. Go to expressvpn.com slash broadwayradio to learn more. And thanks so much to ExpressVPN for continuing to support Broadway Radio. So I, I think that we got overshadowed because uh, uh, such an important story came out this week. Uh, and I want to see if you guys agree with me about this because we were overshadowed by the Tony Awards and other announcements and things like this. Uh, we have a Winnie the Pooh stage musical with the Sherman, Bro- Sherman Brothers songs to open this fall on Theater Row. Oh, and I've heard of that. And I, I think it got blown away with all the other news, but while it, you know, I laughed about it just like Peter did just now, uh, because that, that that's interesting, but Disney Theatricals is doing an off-Broadway show. Mm-hmm. So, 
uh, what does that mean for us? <laughs> um, I, I have to say that it's uh, what it means for me is that uh, something I'm not much looking forward to uh, from the vantage point. Nothing against Winnie. Yeah. But um, I've never uh, really responded to uh, Sherman Brothers um, scores. The closest one I've ever come to, of course, is over here, which uh, has a completely different sound from uh, what they usually do. Um, people are always complaining about the sound of music being sticky sweet. And that's what I get from the Sherman Brothers, uh, the made up words um, and um, to me, simplistic melodies. You know, even when I was a kid and I was buying everything anything that said original broadway and cast or original soundtrack would be something i would spend my pennies on and never was i ever even remotely close to buying the soundtrack to mary poppins because i just don't like those people and you should have heard me the night of the oscars when chim chim <laughs> cherry won best song um uh, you know i was living in arlington massachusetts but i think they heard me in belmont um you know really it uh, so uh, you know we all have those we all have people we don't respond to, and uh, those are mine. So uh, what can I tell you? But, t- you know, take out Winnie the Pooh and take out the Sherman Brothers. Yeah, Disney off-Broadway. Yeah, really. Yeah, really. Yeah, Disney off-Broadway. I mean, are we going to see uh, uh, New York Theater Workshop brought to you by Disney? Yeah, uh, well, you know, I, it's... Aside from um, the the producers of way back when, it, it it does seem that people do wind up off Broadway somewhere along the line. Um, and I'm thinking specifically of when Sondheim, of course, um, his musicals um, had to go to off Broadway. Um, Sunday in the Park started there, and, um, and so, and of course, Assassins did as well. And Neil Simon even went off Broadway when his uh, collection of um, sweet plays, um, they took the four ones they considered best hotel suite. So, you know, we always hear that there's no money to be made commercially off Broadway. And uh, in fact, that play that we had talked about um, in the last few weeks, Lily's, which I believe was a commercial production, is closing. So, um yeah, it's it's very hard to make money off Broadway, they say. And yet, I won't be surprised if Disney finds a way to make money off Broadway, whatever mm-hmm. that means. Hmm. Um, when uh, 13 played Broadway, uh, Jason Robert Brown's uh, musical uh-huh. 13, um, what was your feeling about uh, Michael and Peter? What was your feelings about 13? Well, 13 never made sense to me on a basic level because uh, here's this kid who has been uh, uprooted from New York City. And he's now in the heartland and he has to find kids who are going to um, be in um, who, who will attend his bar mitzvah. Well, you know, I truly believe that uh, planning for a bar mitzvah, as falsettos teaches us, mm-hmm. uh, takes a lot of time. Uh, you know, and I I would think that before they moved from um, New York, that indeed it would have been a situation where the mother would have had plans in place to uh, have this bar mitzvah for this kid. And even if that didn't happen, I would think that the mother would say, well, let's have one big last party before you, um, before we leave here, have all your friends, you know, for one big goodbye and we'll have your bar mitzvah then. And, um, but the idea that just struck me as a very odd situation. Um, I, I didn't believe it. And, uh, while there were certainly very, very fine things about the score and I really like, um, so much of the interaction that goes on with the kids, 
um, in 13, I just find that what this kid wants is something that should have been accomplished a long time ago. Hmm. Uh, Michael, what did you think about 13? And the reason I'm asking about this is because uh, it's being filmed for Netflix. Right. And uh, Deborah Messing was just uh, announced as uh, joining the cast of it as an adult <laughs> in 13. And I wonder how 13 will change uh, from the stage to the film. Yeah, I was wondering why you asked, but then I remembered that I thought I had read that it was being filmed, and I, I just looked it up. Um, yeah, so Deborah Messing, I guess we probably wouldn't know most of the other people because they're kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Islam, J.D. McCrary, and let's see, any other familiar names here? No, I don't see any, but I guess it's because almost everyone is a kid. Sure. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed it, so I... I and I would think it would make a really good movie, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing that very much. Will there be a double fe- feature for uh, uh, 13 at 7 p.m. and uh, Oslo at 9 p.m.? Because mm. <laughs> the uh, Oslo movie just hit the uh, the streaming services, and as I remember, Oslo three hours, four hours on Broadway? What was it? I, I can't recall off the top of my head. I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed Oslo Saw It Twice. Yeah, wow. me too. Yeah, I got I to see just... Um, uh, I guess the movie just started streaming, and it, it, boy, you know, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Right? <laughs> and uh, I, I, Especially I, given what's happened in the last couple of well, months. Well, exactly. I, I, I just happened to watch a, a little bit of it and they were talking about the Gaza Strip. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So mm. <sighs> it's uh, uh, a theater helps us understand these uh, uh, helps us understand these things. And yet uh, we, we still have no way to answer it. Uh, right. Uh, no, the, but uh, but you're right about that. And in a strange way, um, theater works in the same way the United Nations does. Let's let's hear everybody's point of view, and maybe we'll understand it better. And so uh, so Oslo helps in that way. But yes, indeed, um, times have changed, and uh, I'm sure we're still very nervous about what's going on over there. Anything could happen at any given moment. And I'm not yeah. sure if you mentioned, but the the movie is directed by Bartlett Shear, so that's interesting. Oh no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. That, oh yeah. So uh, uh, who directed it on Broadway? To he did. To Bartlett mm-hmm. did on Broadway mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we. Yeah, I, I was thinking back to thirteen. That's what I was like. Bart Sure directed thirteen. That's odd. That's an odd choice. That's an odd choice. So um yeah the uh uh the this week has has brought in so much information uh that we uh certainly lose a lot of the things the one of the things I meant to bring up before when we talked about the Tony Awards was the fact that it's going to be on this Paramount Plus which is the new streaming platform that CBS has uh, and only three awards are going to be on network television, plus are going to have a bunch of production numbers. So um, free over the air for the the big awards, the uh, Best Musical, Best Play, and Best Revival. Is that the third one? Or do you guys... Heard. 
Do you guys remember? Um, but they then Paramount Plus, which does have a one-week free trial subscription that people I'd imagine are going to be are going to be signing up for. Um, <laughs> and canceling right mm-hmm. <laughs> signing mm-hmm. up right before canceling right after mm-hmm. remember, remember to cancel um uh and then they haven't really said uh uh where the um the actual live performance is going to be or if they're going to be remote from a bunch of different uh a, a bunch of different theaters or how this is all going to work and happen but uh, again, it, it seems like uh, once again a, a lack of leadership and a, and a total fumble of something that they had, you know, eighteen months to plan for, uh, and it has not happened uh, along a, a, along the lines of what you would expect for a multi-billion-dollar business uh, right. to to happen. So uh, they are going to um, recap. The um, the voting that has happened, in, I guess they voted from March first to March fifteenth, and they're going to give all all the awards except for the major ones out on this Paramount Plus platform, and then uh, and I'm not sure what that means for our international listeners as well. If our folks in 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 the UK and Europe and in Australia that listen to us at uh, touch base with us all the time. Um, I'm not really sure what that's going to mean to them uh, if they're going to be able to get on this Paramount Plus platform or or or, or see the big announcements uh, after the fact. So we'll have to see. But uh, I don't want it to be on a uh, the morning after the Tony Awards in September that we're going to get some announcement that it was the lowest viewed Tony Awards in history or well, something it, like that. To be, yeah. It will have well, to be. Well, you know, you know. On the other hand. Um, Statistics do show that people watch the Tonys. I'm talking about um, people not necessarily who are attuned to Broadway, but the people who do watch the Tonys who aren't particularly attuned to Broadway tune in because they want to see the production numbers, not that mm-hmm. they want to you know, see who won. They don't know who um, to say half these people is really uh, quite even an overstatement. They don't know who 90% of these people are, and um, they just want to see the entertainment. So I won't be surprised if this really becomes a template and the, the future um, quote-unquote Tony shows will essentially be production numbers. And, you know, in a way, that's fine. Um, the, uh, that should happen anyway. We should see a best of Broadway. Um, here's what's going on on Broadway, a two-hour special on TV. Um, I, I think that's a very good idea. And um, so I won't be surprised if the ratings are even a little up for this type of show where people don't feel distance when um, they, they hear about uh, people who are winning who they just don't even know. It may, hmm. very well, it may very well be a little better. That's not a prediction. That's just um, a hunch. Well, we'll have to see what happens there. So uh, anything else that you guys want to add until uh, before we go into our trivia and, um, and our musical moment? Well, I have my theater light bulb jokes. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, Michael, why don't you tell us your theater light bulb jokes? I mean, well, the ones not, that they're not, not yours. Yeah. I, they're not original. I, I Somebody posted these. All right. Ready? Okay. Sure. Uh, the first one I knew already. How many actors does it take to change a light bulb? How many? 
three, one to actually do it and two more to discuss how they would have done it better. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> uh, how many directors does it take to change a light bulb? How many? Interesting. Why does it want to change? Uh. <laughs> What's its motivation? <laughs> how many playwrights does it take to change a light bulb? How many? I'm not changing anything. You'll like this one. How many producers does it take to change a light bulb? Whoa, I imagine the number is quite high. (laughs) What does it cost? (laughs) Well, it's close. The answer is why do we need another light bulb? Uh (laughs) Mm. And then finally, this is uh, James and mine's favorite. Uh, How many stage managers does it? And the answer is done. (laughs) <laughs> stage managers are the best the absolute best it's very nice that the joke respects them that's yes. that's really terrific yes <laughs> because one after all the others we do expect there's going to be another knock but um it's it's very nice that uh, that's not the case <laughs> all right so uh peter do you have an answer to last week's trivia Uh, Last week, I gave two reasons why the subject was roses held a unique place in Broadway history and asked you to find the third. What I had in mind was the subject was roses was the one and only show to play the Winthrop Ames Theater. Mm. And where was that, you ask? It was the theater first known as the Little when it opened in 1912 and now known as the Hayes when Second Stage has shows there and the Helen Hayes when it rents it out. Go figure, go no. Anyway, Steve Bell was the first to get it, followed by Jay Aubrey Jones, Tony Janicki, who also pointed out that there were two other unique aspects to the subject was Roses. This was the one and only year that there was a competition for best play author at the Tony. And Frank Gilroy, who wrote the subject was Roses, lost to the odd couple's Neil Simon. It was also, he told us, the only Broadway show stage managed by Dustin Hoffman. So that's kind of interesting, too. This is 1964. So Dustin Hoffman was about a thousand days away from being um, the new uh, sensation in movies. <laughs> anyway, who knew? Well, Tony, that's who. Mr. Janicki was followed by Josh Israel. And what about Brigadude, Dude, who usually gets the answer? He wrote to say, if the question involves a play and not a musical, I'm not interested. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's honest. <laughs> All right, Brig. Uh, May I call you Brig or must it be Mr. Dude? Um, How about this? Let's return to Winthrop Ames and offhand remark he once made at the opening night of one of his out of town tryouts set the wheels in motion for Broadway to have one of its most durable musicals. Explain and give the name of the musical. Hmm. Okay. So if you have an answer for that, email us at trivia at broadwayradio.com. Let you know if you're on the right track. So, Michael, as uh, we talked about before, there is so much going on here insofar as, uh, insofar as anniversaries and celebrations and things. We're going to focus on Anne Margaret this week, right? Yeah, yeah. We missed her birthday on April 28th. Um, she uh she turned 80 mm. um mm. uh which is incredible on several levels i would say sure, sure. and you know i mean obviously she she was never on broadway in anything as far as i know but uh she did a lot of live performances a lot 
in her day in Las Vegas. And I saw a great show that she did at Radio City some years ago. And of course, she has a wonderful role, uh, one of the leads in the film adaptation of a beloved Broadway musical, Bye Bye Birdie. Um, very, very popular in its day, and I think has remained, uh, has retained popularity. So that's interesting. Uh, there was that, uh, it got that great shout out uh, when Brian Batt uh, did a, a little bit about the opening number on Mad Men. <laughs> mm. uh, and that apparently like caused another flurry of interest in it, but it's, uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's far from a faithful adaptation of the Broadway show, mm. but it does have its, its pluses, including mm-hmm. um, a, a, a new title song that Strauss and Adams wrote, which we used as the opening of this podcast. But for the musical moment, I'd like to uh, use a track from the cast album of a show that was, uh, as far as I know, again, uh, the one actual book musical in which Anne Margaret appeared on stage. And that was a tour of the best little whorehouse in Texas that I believe began in 2000. And this recording I believe was released in 2001 and the role was Miss Mona. Uh, and which if you know, Anne Margaret and think about, and if you know, whorehouse, and if you think about, uh, how she would be in that role, it does seem like a, a, a really good fit. Um, she did not get great reviews for, mm-hmm. for it, as I recall. Mm-hmm. And she sounds a little tentative um, mm-hmm. on the recording. Yes, she does. But but uh, I still think that it there's a lot of charm and and of course her native talent comes through. So I wanted to feature a track from that, which is the beautiful song, uh, "The Bus from Amarillo." Uh, by Carol Hall. Uh, this apparently, uh, the, the backstory on that song was that it was originally supposed to be sung by another character. Uh, and uh, I think the scuttlebutt is that it was changed in the original production because Carlin Glenn, who played Miss Mona, sort of uh, made that happen. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's not forget that she was married to Peter Masterson, who yes. uh, yes. wrote the book and co-directed with Tommy Toon. All the all the easier for her to make that happen, mm-hmm. uh, but so it's now I guess it's established as Miss Mona's song, and uh, our musical moment is Anne Margaret singing the bus from Amarillo. All right, so that wraps it up for this week. On behalf of Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to Broadway Radios this week on Broadway. Bye bye. Bye bye. Caught a bus in Amarillo It was going to San Antonio Had a brand new cardboard suitcase And a window seat alone Oh, I thought that I was something And I dreamed I would travel far Maybe be a restaurant hostess Maybe be a movie star The bus from Amarillo Raced a train along the track But I never looked behind me Cause I wasn't coming back I had a one-way ticket To nowhere I was finally traveling free I had a one-way ticket To go away 
Possible. 